millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 88, we discuss an interview with BN Sports' executive about their fight against media giants, news about ESPN3 being added to Xfinity X1, more poor TV ratings for a league in particular on US television, and we have a bunch of letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, um, we've survived uh, Labor Day, uh, lots of football in store. Um, what for you this past week have been some of your highlights of uh, what you've been watching? Yeah, well, I was so excited to see Leeds United on a Friday. Uh, John Champion calling the match. Uh, we had it, obviously, on ESPN Plus in the United States to play Middlesbrough, a matchup between two contrasting styles, Bielsa and Pulis, uh, two top managers. Pulis is a top manager in the in, in the English game, the British game, whether uh, people want to admit it or not. And obviously Bielsa is, is, is Bielsa, right? Um, he, he's legendary. He's, uh, he, he's not everyone's cup of tea, but he's uh, uh, certainly someone I enjoy watching and, and, uh, and analyzing over the years, uh, going back to his time managing Argentina. Uh, almost two decades ago. So what what a matchup. Uh, John Champion was the perfect voice for it. It ended nil-nil, unfortunately, but it was actually an entertaining game. Uh, simultaneously, Dortmund-Hanover was on uh, on uh, FS1, and uh, that was a, uh, um, a disappointing match. Uh, Dortmund had looked so lively in the opening match against uh, Red Bull Leipzig, or RB Leipzig, a, a week earlier, and uh, – uh, just didn't look it this time. Uh, Saturday morning, Chris, Leicester-Liverpool, which I think everybody uh, probably watched that the early match on NBCSN. Uh, it was a, it was an interesting uh, match. I think that there is, um, in, in terms of NBC studio, Chris, a, a, a real effort this season to push Liverpool and push Liverpool narratives. Um, but then after that match, they ended up having to – deal with the Allison mess, right? <laughs> and right. that this was, again, you know, follow, following on the heels of Carius and then, uh, with his feet mistakes and then the same sort of uh, kind of sloppy mistakes you used to see out of Simone Mignolet. Uh, you have to begin to wonder if maybe Klopp is requiring too much of his goalkeepers in terms of playing with their feet. And that's um, 
that was an interesting focal point of discussion yeah, in the part, NBC studio. Yeah, part, part of it too is, uh, as NBC knows, in terms of uh, the Liverpool fan base in the United States, it's uh, not the largest, but it is a very large uh, fan base, probably in the, in the top three of the English clubs, with Man United being first. Uh, and then whether it's Chelsea or Arsenal, uh, number two, and then Liverpool, either number three or number four, depending on, on the latest numbers. But they know they know that Liverpool is I mean, an attacking side. Liverpool could be the story of the season. This could be the team that could go all the way. So um, they're obviously, I mean, thinking about uh, is this a team that we need to kind of focus on a little bit more because that's going to generate generate more TV ratings. Um and then maybe focus a little bit less on Leicester, perhaps, and and you mean, and, and I'm sure that goes in their thought process uh, week in week out, making sure that uh, they're you mean keeping the the fans or the viewers entertained, um, and especially with the TV ratings, you mean kind of battle, just trying to keep those numbers being strong. Uh, they're always going to do that. They're always going to focus and feature Manchester United, uh, you mean as many games as possible on television. And as few as possible on NBC Sports Gold, but uh, but Liverpool could be could be the team to watch this season. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt about that. And obviously, we had Man City Newcastle. The first few minutes, it was the first three minutes or so of the match on NBC was preempted for the end of John McCain's uh, uh, funeral service uh, in Annapolis. So the first three minutes aired on NBCSN, which meant. Uh, I know this is a great thrill to you, Chris. We got uh, two long intros from Marlo White, one on NBCSN, which took about 40 seconds, and one on NBC proper, which took about 30 seconds. Um, and then the match itself was was pretty um, pretty poor. I mean, uh, Manchester City has made a, a, has made uh, easy work of, of Newcastle over the course of the last uh, several seasons. Uh, this is arguably the most one-sided series in, in – uh, um, top flight English football over the last decade. Uh, Man City has not lost to uh, Newcastle since Stuart Pierce was the manager and only has one draw in that period. Uh, and generally, score lines are 3 1, 4 1, 5 1, 5 0. Uh, this was a 2 1 match where uh, Manchester City just did not play well. Uh, I have to say, they have not looked right uh, all season since maybe the first 60 minutes of, of the Arsenal match, the opening matchup of the season. Um, but I. I'm not sure uh, that NBC is beginning to pull, even though they're they're obviously trying to appeal to Liverpool fans as as a storyline, but they're necessarily pulling that card yet that Man City is having uh, the next year syndrome that we see so many champions have. Um, From my vantage point, and maybe I'm, again, a Manchester City supporter and I'm hypercritical, I just don't see it in this team without De Bruyne. I I don't see how they, they, they compete with Liverpool or... Uh, quite honestly, Spurs, Spurs lost on Sunday, but I, I just don't see, see them at the same level right now. That might change when De Bruyne gets back. Uh, that might change when Liverpool suffers another injury or two. But right now, I think that there, there's some some ways off the pace. Um, I mean, so yeah, watch that. Yeah, Kartik, Kartik, yeah, I, I missed that game. I actually, which I'll get to in a little bit, but I missed that game. But I can't believe uh, you guys had to suffer the Arlo White intros on, on both the NBCSN and NBC. It's ridiculous. I mean, what I would like to see, just just one time, is for Arlo to commentate a match without the long intro and without uh, uh, mentioning stats like every few minutes and just call the game. And I'm not sure if he'd be able to actually do it. I, obviously, I think he probably could do it. Whether he would do a good job of it, I'm not sure. Um, but I'd like to kind of take away all of that, all those, all that comfort zone, all of those things that he throws in 
and then just commentate the game and see see what happens there. Um, that would be interesting to to listen to for sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. I I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's 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 the the way NBC wants him presenting. Maybe it's the uh, preference of the American market. But the the thing that uh, frustrates me because I actually like Arlo White as a commentator probably more than you do during the course of the rest of the match. The the, the frustrating part is I think what ends up happening is some event in the match takes place before the co-commentator or co- commentators, if it's a three-man booth, are properly introduced. Um, and then they're not able to actually jump into the commentary, co-commentary, uh, or the analysis of what happens in the first two or three minutes of a match because of um, uh, this, these long intros. Right, the preamble. Um, also, I will say part of it is NBC's tendency to cut right to him at the beginning of the match rather yeah. than having the one or two minutes in uh, to lead in. Uh, that having been said, they do have um, the stand-ups with him and whoever it is, Lasso, Graham Lasso or, or Lee Dixon, five, ten minutes before the match starts on on goal on uh, not on goal zone on the uh, on the the bridge program. Uh, mm-hmm. Now it's called uh, Premier, Premier League Life. Sundays or Premier League Saturdays, but right. uh, that that program before the the the, the kickoff. Um, but for whatever reason, even with that stand-up, he still feel, feels the need or they still feel the need to have him give a 30, 40-second um, setting of the table intro, which, again, inevitably something happens in that period. Christian Eriksen scored a goal for Spurs in the first 10 seconds of a match he called last season against Manchester United, if you remember that. Right. Uh, at Wembley. I, so, I, I, um, don't, I don't think it's, a, it's an NBC thing, though, because I mean, when you have Derek Ray or you've had John Champion step in from time to time, you know, working for NBC, every, everyone's in, in a blue moon, that doesn't happen when they do it. And, and it's, I think it's just to his style. I mean, as a, as a presenter or as a person that's talent, that's kind of sideline reporter, you mean kind of uh, talking to the camera and then talking to some of the talent and then interviewing some of the players... I think he does a fantastic job. It's just the commentating style where he just gets in the way of the game. And to me, that's not the NBC style. Yes, he's a good commentator, um, but it's becoming old and tired and a bit annoying uh, with the same old shtick, like year after year, season after season. Um, I'm just getting a little bit tired of it. I think I think listeners, some some listeners and readers have gotten tired of it much, much sooner than I did. Um, but it'd be nice just to spice it up a little bit, which I think there was one game. I'm not sure if it was this season. I think there was one game where he didn't go into the preamble. He just went straight into the game. I can't remember which game it was, or maybe I'm just imagining it. Uh, but it was good. It was, it was like, wow, okay, this is cool. Actually, he's, he's focusing on the game, but it's his style. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, it is what it is, I guess. So then the next morning, I, I, we had an assortment of MLS matches, USL matches that I kept an eye on Saturday night. Uh, the next morning, we had the Cardiff-Arsenal match, uh, which was an exciting back-and-forth match. Uh, Arsenal, of course, eventually won it. Uh, Man, United and, uh, uh, Man United and Burnley, which, um, boy, that was, uh, uh, that was really disappointing from the Burnley perspective. Again, I'm not sure if, if this is a direct... Uh, result of them having Europa League, which they're now, of course, out of, uh, or if they're going to genuinely struggle this season in in the Premier League. Uh, I I guess only time will tell on that. Uh, A bounce-back game for Mourinho. Uh, Again, I I hate to point this out to Man United fans, and I get eviscerated every time I point it out on Twitter, but I'm going to point it out here that when Marouane Fellaini is put in the team, 
Paul Pogba tends to play better. Now, uh, is that a byproduct of Fellini doing a lot of dirty work? Is that a byproduct of Fellini, position, his positioning sense, which allows Pogba to go forward? Whatever the case, it seems like he he, he does better with uh, with Fellini in that position than he does with, with Matic last season with Carrick, um, with Andre Herrera when he's played there. Um, uh, he did okay with Andres Pereira there in the first match against uh, against uh, uh, Leicester at times, but it seems consistently over the three years of Mourinho, when Fellaini's in the match, he plays better, which um, is something again. Fellaini is is beat up on, but we saw during the World Cup when Roberto Martinez inserted him in the Belgian team, a star-studded team, right, a team that's just stacked with superstars. Uh, Belgium played better with uh, with Fellaini in the team than they than they did without him in the team. Um, so people love to hate him, I think, because of his style. But he's he's an effective player in the he, Premier League and at the international level. Right, he delivers. I mean, it's yeah. one of those things that uh, I, th- I think for the purists in the game, they're like, oh gosh, here he comes. But he does a job and he gets it done, and and it works. Yeah, which is why I think David Moyes has just been killed for paying for him uh, twenty seven million because he was a player he had at Everton. Uh, and bringing him to Man United, but I think he's probably paid off for Man United a lot more oh, for sure. guys with much higher transfer fees, uh, Di Maria and Mkhitaryan, among others, uh, that they bought that just have not worked out for them. Exactly. Uh, and yeah. Anything else, Kartik, from this past yeah. week? Sampdoria, Napoli, uh, really good coverage uh, on uh, ESPN News. They were bumped to ESPN News, I guess, because of all the, the college football and tennis. Uh, but... Uh, Emotional game, Sampdoria first home match after the the collapse of uh, of of the bridge in, in Genoa, uh, and uh, they they played really well three 0 It was an exciting match, uh, open match, and then the DC United ma- uh, Atlanta match uh, was actually quite entertaining. And DC United beat Atlanta three one, and and another really good game for Wayne Rooney, and another really good game for Luciano Acosta, who's come on since Rooney. Um, Moved to Major League Soccer, so uh, those were those were uh, exciting matches. I, I kept a little bit of an eye on uh, on uh, the Monaco Marseille game, uh, which was uh, uh, an open match. Another loss for Monaco. They haven't started the season very well. Uh, Marseille won three two. It was a very very good match. Uh, that, that was on BN. So the DC United Atlanta game. I, I watched the first half of this, and uh, I haven't watched a lot of DC United since uh, Rooney joined. I mean, I've, I've seen maybe. Maybe probably a game and a half. Uh, what I have noticed, and I'm not sure if this is a complete coincidence or not, but when I have watched the game, it's been very Route 1 football. And not that there's anything wrong with that, because it is effective, but lots of long balls, kind of, uh, you mean, whether it's the goalkeeper straight, straight uh, down to uh, the attacking thirds, and then kind of just, you know, whether it's a header, a flick on header, almost like Bolton Wanderers style from, with Kevin Davis uh, back in the day. That, that that's what I've seen. And it, again, it's nothing wrong with it. It's just it's effective and it works. And it's but what it's what I've seen thus far. Now, re, in regards to this past week, uh, I was away for the almost the entire weekend at, at a Labor Day soccer tournament for my daughter up in Orlando. So I, I didn't get a chance to watch many of the games. So I was up there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And um, what I did watch though was. Um, Whenever I had a chance in the hotel, which is usually in, in the late afternoon, evenings, uh, after the games from most of the day, I got to watch a lot of B in sports. And it's, uh, 
interesting timing with Bean Sports uh, in regards to what's going on with them. We'll talk more about that later in the interview. So I got a chance to watch uh, Real Betis against Sevilla, uh, the Monaco-Marseille game that you mentioned, Kartik, which to me was my game of the week. Uh, just an entertaining back-and-forth game. Uh, goalkeeping errors, defensive errors, but again, it was a, a 3-2 win for Marseille. I uh, watched the, the Celtic Rangers game. This was on Bleacher Report Live on uh, Sunday morning, early in the, in the morning, and that was uh, it felt like a cup final. Great atmosphere, uh, and Rangers gave it all they could, but uh, Celtic is still uh, miles ahead in terms of uh, quality on the pitch, but an uh, in- in- interesting match to watch. Saturday, I watched Real Madrid against uh, Leganes, and uh, I think it was, um, what else did I watch? Uh, some of the Bundesliga, some championship with uh, Millwall against Swansea, uh, the Leicester-Liverpool match, and uh, also the UEFA Champions League draw I watched, which was on Bleacher Report Live. That was interesting because there was, uh, there was no commentary. It was just a straight feed from UEFA, and uh, there was no... You mean no discussion, no analysis, no coverage at all from the, the actual talent from Tuna Sports or Bleacher Report Live. It was just the raw feed, and which is okay. I mean, it was no commentary. It was just the raw feed, and you mean you found out which teams were going to be in which which parts. And uh, sometimes I think that that's all we were, were wanting or needing, really. Uh, what it did give me this past week, uh, Kartik, is and, and I knew this, but it kind of reinforces the fact that uh, if BN Sports did go away, we would lose a ton of soccer games on U.S. television. I mean, there's no other sports channel in the U.S. that shows as much soccer as BN Sports does. So whether it's on a, on a Friday night or Saturday or Sunday, if you're flipping through, there's game after game after game from around the world. And uh, it's entertaining. I enjoyed it. Uh, no problems. And I watched a little bit of uh, the extra on the weekend edition, I think it was on the Sunday, and I ended up watching hours and hours of being sports. And in the back of my mind, it just made me think, okay, if this went away, what would happen? Most of those games probably would go to streaming, and there you have even more games being moved from television to streaming platforms, making them less accessible. So that was going on in, in the back of my head. All right, Kartik, let's move on to TV streaming news. Yeah, first item this week is interesting. ESPN3 is now available on Xfinity X, uh, uh, X1 from Comcast, and uh, they are also uh, including SEC Network and ACC Network Plus in this. Uh, really groundbreaking deal between uh, two of the largest media companies in, in the country, uh, Comcast and, and Disney. So if you have Xfinity X1, you will now be able to access ESPN3 uh, through your your tablets, your computers, and your um, and also your television. So it's a pretty remarkable deal. Uh, this was announced yesterday and, and exciting, and maybe a way that um, ESPN begins to, to to kind of gravitate streaming content onto mainstream cable platforms. Um, and let's face it, uh, Chris, media companies, cable companies, they kind of have to uh, team up because their cord cutters uh, abound, and the trend isn't uh, going to. Uh, isn't going to subside anytime soon. Yeah, I like that Comcast is making it more accessible for soccer fans who have, you mean, have the Xfinity app and, and they're they're at home and they're flipping through kind of the guide and there is ESPN3 a lot more accessible than you know, booting up your laptop and going to ESPN3.com and then logging in that way. Um, the interesting thing for me is what coverage is still left on ESPN3, which, which some of the listeners might be wondering, okay, what does ESPN3 have that ESPN Plus 
doesn't have or that the ESPN, you mean ESPN2 or ESPN1 or uh, ESPN News uh, doesn't have. And I'm looking just as one example for the UEFA Nations League, which kicks off today, Thursday, as we're recording this podcast. So ESPN3 has Latvia against Andorra, uh, Finland against Hungary, Estonia against Greece, and Ukraine against Slovakia. And also one more, uh, I forgot, one more, San Marino against Luxembourg. So that that's the challenge, Kartik, I think, in, is, okay, yeah, we have ESPN3 content available through Comcast and, and through other services, of course. But uh, the amount of content that they, they'll be able to access, it's not going to be your, you mean, your most sought-after matches, but it is going to be some content that you couldn't get otherwise. All right, Kartik, in the next news item, um, some uh, an update on the U.S. rights to the Scottish Premiership. So we talked about this a few weeks ago, and this was that uh, – the the rights package to the Scottish Premiership around the world had been taken away from MP and Silver uh, due to some contract issues. And um, so the Scottish League was going to go ahead and have somebody else, a, a new broker, go ahead and acquire those rights and then work with different broadcasters around the, the around the world to try to find, um, to try to make sure, I mean, to do deals with you know, somebody in the US, somebody in Canada, so on and so, so forth. So uh, the SPFL has moved pretty quickly and they've secured a deal with a company called Infront, which is based in Switzerland. So Infront is now going to head and uh, going to establish new agreements with broadcasters overseas that will allow matches from the Scottish Premiership, uh, as well as rights to um, the Betfred Cup and uh, other competitions from Scotland. Uh, As of right now, as of press time, as of podcast recording time, uh, no deal has been done in the U.S., but it looks likely that it'll still be Bleacher Report Live that will have the access to those games um, unless somebody else new comes in that wants them. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But um, just an update to let you know that, that things are progressing and uh, pretty soon we'll find out who has the rights to the Scottish Premiership. Having said that, though, uh, under the agreement that uh, the Scottish Premiership has with the different broadcasters worldwide, uh, the current rights holder will continue to show some games until the new deal is done. So, for example, in the Scottish Premiership, in the next few weeks, there's going to be, I think, St. Mirren against Celtic and a bunch of other games. And those games are going to be on Bleacher Report Live. So so no no change there. Uh, we'll have to wait and see once the deals are done, whether or not those, those rights move elsewhere. Yeah, uh, Chris, I think it's important to note that, at least in the U.S. market, it was a long period of time. There have been long windows where the the Scottish uh, League has been off of American television or off of American streaming. So uh, there isn't much incentive. Uh, the MP Silva thing has, has, has created a monkey wrench, but I don't think there's much incentive uh, to pull these matches off Bleacher Report Live. And the chances that someone else is going to bid on the property are probably minimal. Now, that's not the case in other global markets, but I right. think that's the case here. So I'd be very surprised if the matches end up uh, anywhere else or the matches end, or the league goes dark. I think they'll they'll continue as is uh, in this country. Yeah, and, and from, from memory, I think the um, the last numbers I saw for the Old Firm Derby, which is the Celtic Rangers match, and this would have been from, I think, a couple of years ago, it was on Goal TV. Uh, it might have been the League Cup. I can't remember or if it was the Scottish Premiership. But the numbers, the viewer numbers for that were approximately about 80,000. 
which that's what that's that's the biggest game of the year. I mean, I mean but but eighty thousand is pretty good when you compare that to say the Bundesliga, that's on <laughs> FS1, FS2. I mean, on on these major channels. Um, so in perspective, it's good, but it's just one game. That's the issue. Um, now with Rangers doing better, Aberdeen doing better, uh, match the, the actual viewing numbers for those uh, other games should should uh, increase too. But uh, I think it is what it is, and it'll probably will stay on streaming at least for the um, the foreseeable future. Yeah, it's also worth noting that um, that there are the, the way the SPFL uh, format is structured, uh, and I, I actually kind of like it, uh, but it's it's not something you can do in most leagues. The way they split the season after, or, or split the split the fixtures after a certain point in the season, you get more old firm matches because of that. Uh, assuming Rangers are in the top half, right? Um, it, so the 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 way uh, the league format operates, you get more attractive matchups and then you get more relegation oriented matchups too, if that appeals to some people. So I, I actually, um, I, a lot of people have been critical of the format of, of the SPFL in, in the top division. I, I kind of like it. And it, it, it's uh, for me, very appealing to, to, to watch some of these matches, even relegation battles at the end of the season. So that I think might factor into uh, the numbers on Bleacher Report as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little bit different. So if you're not used to kind of the format, uh, it is one that you would have to study a little bit towards the end yeah. of the season to try to figure out, okay, what's going on here, just because it, it is so different. Moving on to TV ratings, uh, from this past week, uh, some of the numbers that came out, uh, we'll have all of the numbers at uh, worldsoccertalk.com. But uh, some of the numbers, uh, Newcastle against Man City, that NBC Saturday match from 12.30 to 2.30 Eastern time, uh, 870,000 viewers. Uh, Burnley against Man United, uh, 495,000 viewers. And then you have uh, Bournemouth against Chelsea, 353. Liverpool against Leicester, 351. And Cardiff against Arsenal, 349. So so all of the Premiership matches or Premier League matches uh, in the U.S. on television were 350,000 uh, effectively uh, and above, all the way up to 870,000. Now, Sunday night's match, the DC United's Atlanta match, uh, the one that uh, I watched the first half, you watched the whole game there, Kartik, on, on FS1. That one on Sunday night in prime time from 7.30 to 9.30 had 155,000 viewers. Okay. And, and to put that into context, I, I just looked at a couple of uh, other numbers. To put that into context, so you have the Premier League goal zone, which is the highlight show, the goal highlight show uh, on Sunday afternoons. Um, that one had 267,000 viewers. And then Premier League Live, which is the bridge show on, on Saturdays, uh, that one had 245,000 viewers. So you have more people sticking around to watch uh, shoulder programming than you do actual game on, on Major League Soccer, uh, on, on, on FS1, starring two of the teams that are right now you would think are two of the most attractive teams to watch on paper as far as, you mean, Atlanta, which is a huge success story, and then DC United that's got this resurgence, um, partly with Rooney, but, but also that they're just playing much, much better. Yeah, and also significantly, uh, those, uh, those bridge programs tend to coincide uh, with uh, live uh, Bundesliga matches on FS1 or FS2 that... Uh, virtually no one's watching by comparison. So that's that's another little takeaway. Like, for example, Premier League Live, the, ni- uh, the 9.30 to 10 uh, a.m. Eastern time, runs directly alongside the kickoff of a Bundesliga game on FS1, 
uh, and yet it's getting higher numbers. And then the same thing Sunday, uh, the, the the gold zone uh, goes one to one thirty, which is at the same time as there's a uh, Bundesliga game wrapping up um, on uh, on FS1 or FS2, whoever, whatever channel it's on. And generally, gold zone is getting uh, higher numbers. So that that's also very stunning, and it's getting higher numbers than MLS on some weeks, as we're seeing this week. All right, let's move on to listener mailbag. We've got a bunch this week. Uh, first up is Jeffrey Allen. He says, uh, seems like soccer made in Germany made German football more popular in the US uh, than it is now. Uh, that show made me, made me a soccer fan and a lifelong fan of FC Cologne. Uh, somehow, Toby Charles made a household name of Borussia Mönchengladbach, which he did. <laughs> yes. but, but that's the thing, too. I mean, you have so many people talking about those days. I mean, like de- since the 19, what, late 70s, early 80s, vividly remembering those times watching that show because it was one of the few shows one of the only soccer shows on television and uh it still it still has huge memories within soccer fans now which i'm sure jeffrey still watches fc cologne because of that um but uh but yeah that's in response to last week's uh discussion about uh, german football and uh soccer made in germany Ben says, uh, top pod, Chris, uh, as you said, as good as the talent is at being Sports USA, they have never done much to help themselves. They've had to rely on others to get themselves into the majority of homes, and their relationship with the viewers, customers, has been poor. So I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit, actually, in the interview that I did with uh, Antonio Breseno, uh, one of the, you know, the the head executive at being Sports uh, for the United States and Canada, uh, we dive a little bit more into that to to get his perspective on that. Monty Reed says, uh, as always, I enjoy the show streaming instead of broadcast TV. If ESPN Plus or Bleacher Report Live continue to get more and more leagues, I think this would be a good thing if all the games are available by streaming. Uh, as long as these companies are not just soccer. Example, several years ago, I did not have cable and I subscribed to World Sports by Dish World so that I could watch being sports for La Liga games. Included in the package is Willow Cricket Channel. I found myself watching cricket many Sunday mornings before any soccer matches kick off. And now cricket is one of my favorite sports. As I'm writing this email, I'm watching England against India in the test match. I also noticed the other day that Sling does not allow you to view three days back as before with BN Sports. So maybe that's something, that, and that's a follow-up again to last week's uh, pod uh, with a question about uh, on-demand on Sling TV, whether or not they're able to actually find some of the BN Sports games. Uh, that's what it sounds like from, um, from Monty there too, that, that's happening for him too. Again, if you have the DVR feature, which is... Uh, extra five dollars a month it's worth it and that way you can just record whatever games you want to watch and you you make sure you don't uh, miss them hernan justo uh, writes uh, hi i'm a relatively new listener my name is hernan and i'm from argentina living in the u.s since the early 1990s because i don't know about your podcast in the past uh, the last five i have heard is not much of, of a mention of south american leagues on tv uh there are channels, uh, or talking about channels with Argentina League or Colombian League, Chilean League, Brazilian League, like uh, Fanatis, uh, TYC, Gold TV. You don't seem to cover them much, as uh, I was surprised that you care about the future of the Scottish League. Scottish? Really? Seems to me that Scottish football is as important as Faroe Islands soccer, <laughs> while Southampton soccer with their crappy stadiums. Oh, South American soccer with their crappy stadiums, bad filming and poor refereeing skill, at my perspective, is better soccer than most European games. Bundesliga, I believe, is awful soccer. Most of La Liga 
if Atletico, Barca or Real are not playing, uh, the rest is very poor, similar to the Premier League and not even any talk about Italian League. And funny enough, the best soccer in European soccer uh, is on the feet of South American players. So I always wonder why. So, so Karthik, I'll, I'll mention too, for me personally, um, it, it's there's so much soccer on offering that it's difficult to watch a little bit of everything. I, I try to mix it up. I'm watching a lot more Spanish soccer um, than I've ever done before. I'm watching a little bit of MLS when I get an opportunity to, of course, to watch the Premier League and watch the more championship than I've, I've ever done before. And I have access to the uh, to the games from South America. And from time to time, I'll watch a Copa Libertadores game or I'll watch a, a Boca, Boca game uh, from the, the Superliga Argentina. Uh, the challenge for me is I don't know as much about those leagues, so it, it's hard for me to to really kind of get into them because I'm not I don't know the history and the traditions. And that's the thing I think that's missing big time a lot for a lot of these South American teams and South American soccer in general is this, as far as I know, as far as our online source, like a website, there aren't a lot of sources in the United States to cater to that market that, that talk about the histories and traditions and, you mean, uh, kind of the, the rivalries, etc. cetera. Um, what are your thoughts, Kartik, and, and why do you not watch South American soccer? Well, I do watch, uh, uh, try and watch the Copa Libertadores. There are a lot of people who have this point of view, even a lot of anglicized fans who, who tell me that it's much better to watch leagues from South America. They don't, uh, they, they don't like the Premier League. Uh, they don't like La Liga, and they have just this this, this contempt for Serie A. So it's actually kind of uh, similar to what Hernan has written in. Uh, and there are anglicized people who say this. Um, I think it's accessibility one. Uh, I, I do try and watch the Brazilian league because the Brazilian league uh, is to me a little more open. The skill level is high. I think tactically it's a little more sophisticated, but the, the, the things that I've seen from other leagues is, is an, is an over-reliance on physicality and um, really kind of a, a, a less uh, sophisticated tactical game than you get, for example, in, in Serie A, let's just, let's just address that for a minute because I um, th- that seems to be the league everybody likes to pick on. For whatever reason, I like watching Serie A. I'm very excited it's on ESPN now. I probably will watch uh, every game that they show over the air on ESPN channels, and then try and watch. I'm trying to watch as many ESPN Plus games as possible. Uh, I, I like the tactical variation in Serie A. I like that managers make changes on the fly. Now, is uh, maybe the skill level or the um, um, some of the other nuances of the uh, of the game, the same as in South America, not necessarily. And are the most outstanding players uh, in Serie A, La Liga, uh, Premier League, or, or many of them South Americans? Absolutely. But I think um, you don't want to sell those, sell those leagues short. I, I think uh, Hernan's point about the rest of La Liga being awful besides those three teams is just a very stereotypical lazy view and i always right. push back on that view right there i think la liga top to bottom is the best league in the world hands down yeah. um <laughs> if, if you don't agree with me that's fine but that that's my opinion and i know a lot of people share that opinion um and of course i like the entertainment level that the premier league offers us so um i do think there's more there's more t- uh time and, and and space that we perhaps should devote to to south american football we've done it at times uh, on this podcast but i, I think Unfortunately, for for whatever reason, most of the American audience hasn't gravitated to that. Now they do they do watch Liga MX, which is not a South American league, which is a league that 
um, a lot of South Americans I talk to have contempt for. Um, but uh, that that's certainly a league that, that we cover closely, and, and I watch pretty closely. This is one of the few weeks I didn't watch a league at Mekis games a, a game match actually. But generally, I'm watching one or two matches in that league a week. And again, it's accessibility. That's the most accessible league in the U.S. Other than maybe the Premier League, they're they're, they're one one A and one B. So. Um, yeah, one, yeah that, that's, that's one more, basically my thoughts. Yeah, one more thing on that, and that is there's not a lot of news about the South American leagues from the sports media side of things. So if there are announcements about whether it's, say, Goal TV or um, uh, TYC Sports or others, uh, they're not communicating any anything to us in English. So Goal TV, I don't think, even has a PR department or has any communications people that are actually providing information to not just to me but to the media. So it's a little bit of a two-way street, too, that uh, if there is news to report on, and uh, we'd love to write, to re- read about it and, and talk about it, but if they're not actually letting us know, making us aware of it, then it's hard to actually know that it exists and to get the information out there. Such as, I mean, at, at the same time, I mean, whether it's ESPN or NBC or Univision or others, uh, they do a really good job of uh, I mean, making sure that we're, we have all of the latest information. Or if we want to interview some of the people behind the scenes, um, that we have an opportunity to, to do that, to get the news out there. So that, that's part of it also. Daniel D. writes, uh, wanted to write in to talk about your comment regarding low Bundesliga ratings in the U.S. and the way that the Bundesliga is trying to push its way to becoming a, a top league in the world next to the Premier League and La Liga. The reason I believe is the is the reason is because of the fans minus Bayern ones. Every club has every club there has a pride of their local team, and I think the way you see most German leagues and the fans and the passion, it's nearly impossible for them to, I guess, to share their team with foreigners. That's just my two cents um, on the subject. Plus, the Bundesliga continues to compete with the Premier League rather than just trying to build its league and not pay pay attention to the outside noise around it. Uh, next up is Jose Rodriguez. Uh, Jose, gives us a suggestion. He says, so we have specific channels for different leagues in the U.S. Examples are NFL networks and NHL networks. What if U.S. soccer created their own channel? The programs could be each... Each league have its own show recapping and previewing the week's action, shows dedicated to showing highlights of U.S. men's national team and women's national team players that don't play in, in the domestic league, documentaries like they did recently with the future national team players that they released to their YouTube channel. However, the biggest thing they could show would be the U.S. Open Cup, a great way to get it on TV. The earlier rounds, uh, they could still sell off the rights for the later rounds. Also, they could show matches for the U20 and U18 tournaments that the national team players play in around the year. This could be a great way for fans to have an understanding of what players will be coming in the ranks in the future. also builds a closer bond between the fans and the U.S. soccer. Kartik, what do you think about this? Yeah, I, I, first off, I, I don't know that uh, any cable company is going to pick up a U.S. soccer channel, right? I, I don't know that there would be enough of an audience for it uh, unless they were able to put MLS matches on there, right? Uh, which they might be able to because Soccer United Marketing handles media for both. Um, but then that would undercut their deal with ESPN, right, with ESPN+. Plus. So that would be an issue. I think um, the the other aspect of this uh, is that the U.S. Soccer Federation doesn't necessarily like investing a lot of money. Uh, they're, they're a bottom-line-driven entity, uh, whether you want to believe that or not. The, the on-pitch on performance, all of that comes second. Uh, if they can't see a metric, 
where they would get a huge return on their investment initially, or at least a moderate return on their uh, investment uh, initially. Uh, history tells us, and, and their own actions tells us, the U.S. Soccer Federation is risk averse with that sort of thing. They, they won't do it. Uh, that's unfortunate. I think it's I think it's a great concept. Uh, but there are people that have pitched similar concepts to this to them and to Major League Soccer through the years, and they just don't want to outlay that amount of cash to get anything going because, again, they're a very bottom line driven uh, entity. Now that might change in the future if there's different leadership, but under the current leadership, uh, that's the way they view things. Yeah, two things on this one. One would be that um, it's hard enough to get. Uh any channels on television. For example, BN Sports is having that challenge uh, six years after being in business, trying to get their their, their channels, BN Sports and BN Sports en Espanol, uh, onto kind of lower tier sports packages uh, in the United States or on the higher tiers, which cost a lot of money. And after six years of trying, uh, they've been, uh, haven't had much luck actually trying to achieve that. So uh, in other countries, it's a lot easier. If you have a channel, you have a TV channel, and you want to distribute it uh, across, you mean cable or satellite, it's much much easier. In the US, it's it's much much more difficult. Uh, number two would be just that uh, this is probably the worst time possible to to launch a channel like this. Um, yeah. I think the morale um, among most people in the US about the, the US men's national team, especially, is at an all time low. Um, the the attendances for a lot of the U.S. games have been have been low. Um, there's not a lot of things to look forward to. I think I see the worth of it. I, I see it more as a YouTube channel, something that they can commit to, something that they can they they're in control of, uh, something that can maybe start off small and then grow over time. Um, but right now, I, I don't see it being on television. All right. So if you have any questions, uh, comments, feedback. Uh, advice, uh, tips, you name it, uh, just let us know. We'd love to read those out on there. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post comments on the website worldsoccertalk.com. Now, Next up is an interview. We've got an interview with uh, Antonio Briseno from BN Sports. He's the Deputy Managing Director for the U.S. and Canada. So he oversees um, the U.S. and Canadian side of BN Sports. And uh, it's an interesting conversation because it really goes to the heart of what the issue is right now between BN Sports and Comcast and DirecTV. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Comcast has been removed from DirecTV, um, DirecTV Now, Uverse and Comcast is not available through any of those uh, TV providers. So BN Sports finds themselves in a very difficult position. Uh, I wanted to talk to BN Sports to find out, to get their side of the story. Uh, we've heard from Comcast. Comcast has said that uh, BN Sports couldn't guarantee um, the, the rights that they would have in the next right cycle, which I talk about in the interview, which I find incredibly unfair because you look at NBC. NBC cannot guarantee that they'll have the Premier League after the Premier League uh, deal uh, runs out. Uh, Fox cannot guarantee that they will have the Bundesliga or Major League Soccer after the deal runs out. So Comcast definitely trying to squash being sports by, 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 uh, without any shadow of a doubt that that's what they're trying to do. Um, and it puts being sports in a difficult position. Also puts soccer fans in a difficult position. So whether you watch uh, being sports or not, I think it's important to to fight for your rights to be able to watch soccer. I mean, from around the world, 
uh, whether it's on television or streaming. And and again, we get into that. So we'll join Antonio Braseno uh, mid-conversation, and then I'll jump in in a couple of minutes to ask uh, Antonio a follow-up question. But uh, here goes that interview with uh, Antonio Braseno from BN Sports. So what, what is crazy about this whole situation is we've been telling these guys, I mean, we knew the renewals were coming uh, from from the past six years. And, and I can tell you that as early as two years ago, we started having the conversations and we told them, look, guys, I mean, when renewals come, uh, the only way that we can subsist as a company and continue purchasing rights that are valuable, which is what you want from us, is for you to increase my distribution so I can have really a solid advertising business. If not, if you're going to insist on just keeping the margin and keeping me up there because you make more margin with being in the fans, being on a package where you have to buy through two or three different packages to get to the content they want, then we're going to have to obviously increase the fees and, and and that's just the nature of it but that's not what we want to do what we want to do is to steady state our our deals but we need the increased distribution and unfortunately i mean the 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 whole situation of the media consolidation that is happening in this country i mean these guys just come and squeeze the little boy i mean and and, and to me it's it's uh, and obviously, I'm talking about uh, from the side of the David, and, and 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 I'm sure that a lot of people will say, well, that's what he's going to say, but it's the reality. I mean, if, just think about it. These are multi-billion-dollar companies that completely control the pipeline of distribution in this country, and they have all the leverage in the world. Now, on top of that, they they have been starting to become completely virtually integrated. So they buy the sports channels and they compete for the same rights that I need to survive. Now, now when the FCC dismissed the complaint, which, which to me was a very valid complaint that you filed um, to to the FCC about about Comcast, about them giving favoritism really to kind of the NBC sportses and, and Universos and not on an equal playing field for being sports. Were you surprised by that decision? Well, I mean, I, I want to clarify one point. I mean, uh, remember that the, the, the file wasn't dismissed. It was dismissed without prejudice. And, and I know it might sound like a technicism, but there is a difference between the two. Because if they would have dismissed it, it would have meant that, hey, what you're saying has no grounds and, and, and we don't believe in your argument. That's not what happened. What they said is there was insufficient uh, information uh, presented by us for them to really make a ruling one way or the other. So we could actually go and refile that case uh, uh, for a certain period of time and present the information that they say that they were missing. Uh, we're in the process of deciding whether that's uh, 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 something that we want to pursue, because as you can imagine, uh, I think that our time and our money is better spent in, in bringing the content back to our loyal fans but uh, but it's something that is an open possibility still, and and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to claim in any way, shape, or form that Comcast retaliated against us because I'm not in any other company's head. But I can tell you, it's definitely a very strange situation that uh, that they totally 
change their tune in the negotiations and then they withdraw the offer even for an extension on the same terms that we were having with them for the past six years. Uh, it was, I think Sports Business Daily had a story a couple of weeks ago that talked about uh, um, being sports and, and Comcast. And there was a Comcast source, uh, uh, anonymous, but it was a Comcast source that said to John O'Rand that, uh, that, that Comcast felt that being sports uh, didn't show, uh, I, I guess, enough um, I, that, that they would ha- have the rights for a long time for a lot of these sports. They, they couldn't guarantee, which that's the whole thing about the sports TV rights business. Anyway, is that whether Fox with the Bundesliga, they have it till what 2020. There's no guarantee that that's going to renew. Nothing's guaranteed in this business. And what was what was your thought? I mean, I, I will, I will, I will ask Comcast. I mean, are you guaranteed you're going to renew Premier League uh, rights? I mean, no one is guaranteed. These are live negotiations. There's a lot of new players in the marketplace that are after sports rights, and 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 obviously you can imagine who they are. It's the big digital players that have definitely uh, all the money in the world. And I mean, I'm sure as, as a very informed person that you are, you've seen the recent moves of some of them in, in other territories than, than the U.S. Uh, at the end of the day, what you said is exactly right. I mean, who's to say? I mean, uh, these negotiations sometimes are very delicate in the sports right, especially when these are uh, close beats and, 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 and everything needs to be extremely well audited and and. and, and taken care of in, in light of everything that happened in the past years with, with, with certain uh, uh, sports rights in, in, in other companies. So, so, so DirecTV is a big hit. Comcast is a big hit. Uh, how confident are you that there's not going to be any other uh, uh, TV uh, providers to follow? Is being sports um, safe with, with the providers that you already have uh, under your belt? Look, I mean, I can I cannot speak for what's in their minds. I mean, I would really hope that in light of the, I mean, we have had and 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 if I mean, I'm very happy for you to put that in in the podcast. And I want to send out a, a big thank you to to the overwhelming response we have had from people that love the brand, love the soccer. Um, they might not have all the information, so they, they sound confused in certain times, and that's all fair and good because they don't they don't have the whole story. But the reality is, there's been uh, millions of of uh, shows of uh, support uh, first with Comcast and now with Directv. So the answer to everybody is, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's up to them whether we can return. What I can tell you is that we will not be bullied by any company that we have 100% of support from our shareholders to continue operating in this country. Being is not going anywhere. We're not going away. And if we have to work with only one company that wants to partner with us and, and understand the true value of partnership and the true value of what we should all be doing, which is bringing the content fans crave and love in the best possible way, that will be our partner in the U.S., and we'll work with them. But fortunately, we have several of them already. We have we have uh, good news. I'm, I cannot tell you about some of the deals that are happening because it's very confidential, but, but uh, we're not going anywhere. I can tell you that. All right, Kartik, so there you go, the interview with uh, BN Sports. Uh, to get their side of the story, what are some of your thoughts uh, about that? 
Yeah, I, I, um, I genuinely sympathetic with BN. I, I think that there's probably a double standard here with the way Comcast and AT&T slash DirecTV is treating them. Uh, there are a couple uh, things I do want to point out. One is that I do think that um, that whole rights cycle thing is interesting because American sporting properties tend to sign longer rights deals, which is part of the reason ESPN, Disney have, have had so much financial difficulty recently, is that they've committed long term to uh, the SEC and the ACC and the Pac-12 and, and all of these long term media deals, television deals that have uh, created a huge outlay of cash from them initially. But uh, there is a guarantee that ESPN in 2022 or 2025 will be showing SEC football and SEC basketball. I mean, that's just a reality. BN doesn't have that luxury. So I think it's a little bit of gotcha because BN is dealing in international rights, with the exception of the Conference USA uh, package they've had, uh, dealing with international uh, sporting entities, whether it be uh, La Liga, Liga uh, or, or the Turkish League, as well as uh, their non-soccer property. So that's a little bit of a, a gotcha there. Um, the thing I have to... Um, point out, though, and I, I think you've pointed this out previously on shows, is that um, he's looking for soccer fans in the U.S. to rally behind BN. And my um, experience now, it just informally on Twitter and on Reddit, is because BN was perceived as inaccessible when uh, U.S. qualifiers for the 2014 and 2018 cycle ended up on, on the channel, away qualifiers, uh, matches that were uh, in other CONCACAF nations other than Mexico. Mexico's rights are handled similarly to the U.S.'s rights. Uh, they, uh, they created a sour relationship with the people now that they need to rally behind them. Um, to the point where I, I'll be on Reddit and people are saying, oh, this is great. If they collapse, I, I can actually watch La Liga. Mm -hmm. And I was on the MLS Reddit yesterday or two days ago, and people were saying that, oh, good, I hope I hope they're gone. Then La Liga might be – I might be able to watch La Liga on another channel. I might be able to watch PSG on another channel. So uh, unfortunately, the um, they poisoned the well, or maybe not deliberately or intentionally, uh, but uh, that well has been poisoned, and it's difficult for them now to fully rally soccer fans in the U.S. Uh, behind um, – uh, trying to keep them on air. People are just uh, also it, it used to having accessible matches on Fox, ESPN, now Turner, and obviously NBC with the Premier League, but that um, they uh, they want to see the properties BN has on that sort of channel. Now, the problem is those of us who've been around for a long time, Chris, are used to channels that are, are, are largely committed to soccer. I mean, I didn't think I would be saying this five years after the fact, but I do miss Fox Soccer Channel. Um, and VN gives us bridge programming, uh, bumper programming that is soccer, soccer, um, centric and also gives us soccer, uh, uh, analysis in the middle of the week that we don't get on, on mainstream American channels. So I think it would be a very bad thing if it went away, but unfortunately a lot of soccer fans in this country don't have that attitude anymore. And that's the thing, I, I think the U S uh, away matches, uh, in the world cup qualifying, I mean, this has been going on for years and not just this world cup qualifying, but for the last six years, the, those away matches in many ways, they've come back to haunt 
uh, be in sports because in hindsight, maybe it would have been better to actually have an ESPN or Fox cover those games because what's happened was those games were on be in sports. But like you said, Kartik, is a lot of people complain like, ah, I, I can't get it. I don't have access to it. The reality was is that uh, I mean, you had Go90, which is free. You could watch the games for, for, for free through there. Uh, there were so many streaming services that had be in sports. And actually, on even on the, the t- television side, which is really kind of where kind of the rubber meets the road on the cable and satellite side, is that BN Sports wasn't as readily available as your FS1s or your, your NBCSNs, etc. Uh, so in some ways, it's come back to haunt them where that is the reality. The reality out there, I think among social media, you mentioned BN Sports and it's like, ah, you know, I, I, I want to see them go under. And which is a sad thing, really, for me to, to... I mean, hopefully they'll stick around. The challenge that they have is, Kartik, is that in order to do have any chance of renewing this deal with La Liga, which is going to run out in about a year and a half, is once this deal runs out, is that I'm sure they're going to be interested in, in trying to renew those rights, but they have to have greater distribution. They have to have the Bean Sports and Bean Sports in Espanol on the same sports tiers as the NBCS, uh, NBCSNs, uh, Universos, FS1s, FS2s, and right now they don't. So in order to survive, in order to actually still get that La Liga, any chance of renewing those rights, they have to they have to be on lower packages. They have to be on packages that are more accessible, that are going to increase the distribution. And without that, any chances of them renewing the rights to La Liga are done, if that's done, then the channel effectively goes out of business because it's very similar to Fox Soccer Channel, where they lost the Premier League rights, and within what three months they were, they were gone. They were they were they were done, and and that's the challenge that being sports have. And I, I'm very sympathetic to Kartik because it's been six years; uh, they've been fighting to try to get on these lower uh, channels, those lo- lower tier packages, in order to be to in- increase the distribution. And you've got. Uh, companies like Comcast, Comcast, who is a uh, distributor, a, a TV provider, and also a, a content producer. They're, they've got the NBC Sports channels, they've got the Universos and Telemundos, and they've got the rights to the Premier League, which is the, the greatest competitor to La Liga. So I wonder, though, if it'll come back to haunt Comcast, because be, with their dealings with being sports and kind of how they're really trying to really shut down um, being sports whether it'll come back to haunt them because then eventually maybe La Liga rights go to an ESPN or go to a Fox or, or somebody, and now they're competing head-on-head uh, against NBCSN uh, with the uh, the Premier League, and whether it actually be better for them to, to actually keep it on being sports and, and, and have it so it's not uh, doesn't have as great, great, a, great of a dist- uh, dist- uh, distribution as a uh, FS1 or, or a ESPN. Yeah, um, Chris, it's it's um, it's such an uphill battle for BN. I mean, I wish them luck, and I think it'll be good for for, for soccer's footprint in this country if they they, they can persevere and, and get through this. But um, the odds are pretty, are really daunting. They are, they are. I'm I'm not ready to give up. I mean, from my side, I'm I'm thinking. I mean, for soccer fans who are, are frustrated by this whole situation. 
is uh, is kind of is really go with your feet. I mean, go go and cancel your subscription to Comcast or DirecTV and, and go to some place that does value soccer, that does value European sports and La, La Liga and Liga and, and, and these other programming. And that's the thing too. I mean, hopefully European sports will be around because they do provide a good product and provide tons of coverage uh, for soccer fans, no matter what leagues uh, you enjoy watching. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the Will Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, and WillSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review. And Kartik, going into this weekend, another big one uh, in the world of football and soccer. Um, what should they do? Try and get through the international break and enjoy your football. 